Welcome to the Sun Island. Welcome, welcome, uh, Sun Island Energy Bridge. Right now, we got a friend of the podcast, a friend of mine. Um, we got Sean here on today. We're going to be talking about a whole uh, host of uh, topics. Uh, he is a abstract artist and he have a pretty neat event coming up. So we're going to be talking a lot about that, uh, Sean. So there's a, there's a bunch of, um, there's an exhibit yeah. that you have coming up for that specific, uh, day and, and congratulations on that, by the way, Thank man, you, you know, that. uh, to, to have that, putting that together. So how did this whole idea for this specific exhibit came about? Uh, this exhibit, uh, I cultivated this based on understanding um, furthering my career and understanding that my audience, um, they may appreciate the art, but I had to actually put the soul also with it. I had to bring me. Understood. And with this one, I want to be very vulnerable. I'm actually making myself the abstract because I think a lot of people look at abstract art or some people look at abstract art like it's just, or oh, you're just throwing paint on a canvas. And for some artists, maybe that's their way of expressing. But mine is a little bit more direct and is a little bit more intentional. Mm. So with this one, I just wanted to give people a chance to experience how I create my art and the meaning behind it. Mm. So I say, you know what? It's time. It's time to be vulnerable. It's time to show people exactly who Sean Wilson Sr. is. Gotcha. <laughs> That's pretty neat. And you did mention something, a good point, uh, that a lot of people see abstract art as, you know, artists kind of just throwing paint yeah. on. Uh, in your words, how do you distinguish um, abstract versus another type of medium that folks are you know more may more be more familiar with how would you what distinguish them uh i would say uh abstract is mostly based on the perception of the viewer mm. if if i was a figurative artist i can draw let's say i can draw a picture of a chair you know it's a chair <laughs> but abstract art i can create something and two people can see 15 different things depending on your perspective yes. depending on your mood depending on how you're viewing the world today depending on the angle where you stand when you look at the piece yeah. it's totally different every time somebody sees my work I may see something they come with a total different perspective but the beautiful thing is when they explain it to me and where is that I'm like okay I see it too I actually see exactly what you see. And that's the beautiful thing about abstract art. It's 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 a continuous discovery. Yeah, I think it speaks more to just or childlike or you'd say exploratory. Definitely. And um, nature. Yeah. Because as you said, perspective. Yeah, it's definitely perspective. And so you get to, in your work, hear people speak from their own perspective yeah and that's interesting yeah right because <laughs> as human beings uh, we get tied up 
Mm-hmm. We get tied up in our own perspective and we seldom, myself included, yeah. we seldom step out of our comfort zone to view stuff through someone else's lens. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, there's a very famous guy. Um, he was mentioning something that, you know, we're, we're going through life. <clears throat> and then folks, all they need to do is change their lens. That's it. Say, for example, in my line of work, if you're in sales, for example, and you're just always trying to sell, like every single person mm-hmm. is a prospect. Yeah you'll never develop a, a real relationship. So if you change the lens and say, right. it's not what I can get from you, but the value that I can deliver to you, Correct. your whole world change overnight. Correct. And the price of the product don't go up nothing, but you get so, you attract more. Yeah. So perspective is a huge thing. So you in your line of work get to hear people's opinion on perspective. What did you garner? from just hearing different people talk about their own perspective and specific to different situation that you may have painted in, in art. You realize, like you said, everybody have a total different perspective about how they view things. Um, some people, they look at art like it's, like it's just something, like it's on the wall, like it's cool colors. Then you have some people that, that understands and they look at art like it's a valuable thing. Mm. You have some people look at art like it's a it's a it's an energy that brings a beautiful aesthetic. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. And you look at then you have some people that look at art like it just matches my couch. Oh <laughs> <laughs> perspective. Yeah, so so you have so you many you have so many yeah. yeah, you have so many different perspectives, but the beautiful thing about art is it's a trillion dollar industry. People don't understand when you buy a piece of art, you don't purchase art, you invest in it. And I've been trying to tell people this for years. This Mm. is an investment because this is the one thing that keeps going up. It appreciates. Absolutely. Consistently. Over (laughs) eons. Yeah. So when you and I continue and when I do my consults, I never I never say when you buy this art, I always say when you invest in this piece of art, understand. Mm -hmm. This is going to be in your family forever. forever yeah. So whoever you gift this to, you're giving, you're giving them instant value, instant value. So the show, the, um, the showing that you have coming up for your artwork is to, to what? Introduce more people to your work, have them see your work from, explain a little bit. I, I will say my, uh, when I, when I, when I, when I came up, when I cultivated this show, mm-hmm. I got me a composition notebook mm. and I had to write out, okay, what is the purpose of this show? And I'm sitting there and I'm sitting there and I only had one purpose, to introduce myself to the world. Nice. That's, that's, my, main, that's my main goal, to introduce myself to the world. Everything else going to take care of itself. I, I, I am not, uh, I'm not trying to sell myself. But I'm actually introducing myself to, like you said, like we said, all of these different perspectives, yeah. <laughs> all of these different perspectives. But I want people to know it's not just paint thrown on a canvas. It's, it's intentions behind all of this. 
It's a very, very, very laser focused intention behind what I do and what most artists do, what most artists do. So that was my, that is my, that's my specific goal to introduce myself to the world. So introducing yourself, which is great. And then you mentioned the word vulnerable mm-hmm. like introduction and vulnerable yeah. for most and that, people and don't, that, they don't come in the <laughs> yeah. and, and that's and that's something don't. and that's something that i'll say that i'm i've had a, over a decade of being an artist mm. but the one thing i've never ever done was actually be vulnerable to my audience and explain them why i create art mm. or what was the avenue to even lead me down this this just role to even be this artist or to be disciplined because being an artist in the beginning, it's, it's not like you're making a million dollars a week. <laughs> this, this is something that, this is something that God gave me. Mm-hmm. And I had to, I had to take it upon myself to cultivate this and learn and study myself. I had a conversation with my nephew yesterday and he actually had a studio session. He's a rapper mm-hmm. and I'm watching him do his thing, and and now I'm watching him be Picasso, but in the booth, <laughs> Pharaoh. I'm I'm watching him, uh, do his thing, and we had a conversation afterwards, and we talked about how Little Wayne was talking about how he don't really un- he don't really know new artists like new rappers. And at first, I told him yesterday, I said, at first I used to think hey, he's lying. He know about rappers, and <laughs> I, and I realized. Once you get focused on your career and your path mm. and what your purpose is, people ask me, man, you, you know all these artists coming out? I'm like, no, I really don't know a lot of artists because once you say this is going to be my life work mm-hmm. as being an artist and I'm going to combine this with healing the world, mankind, yes. not just the people in my community or who I went to school with or who I know, yeah. you have to have, you have to live at a different frequency. That's So now, so now when you come to the table, you don't come to the table of saying, okay, what do you have to offer me? You come to the table, like you say, this is what I have to offer the world. Mm. This is my offering to the world. This is for, for lack of a better word, this is my tithes and my offerings to the world. Yeah. <laughs> you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. And you mentioned something, pretty neat because I actually recently had uh, a, a police officer on the podcast mm-hmm. and he's he's actually from Louisiana. Okay. And he legit said, man, if you've made it over to Louisiana, man, you're a hero. That's what, that was his <laughs> word, not mine. Right. Uh, and we, we went on the talk track of mentioning um, about, you know, just kind of staying in your own bubble. Yeah. And just by your art, mm-hmm. you're figuring out ways how to just be way broad, yeah, right? Because we were talking about how you people just kind of speak in the same similar type of dialect, and mm-hmm. you know, you get out of your hood or your community, nobody even understand what you're talking about, correct? But then you just sound so cool amongst yeah. your friends. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, everybody is the man in their own hood. You, you see where I'm coming <laughs> from? Yeah, and and just kind of take that down one step further a lot of people are um and i was thinking about this recently man a lot of people are a big fish in small pond mm, yes and i think because we're just people in in general are usually egotistical and you know we figure the sun revolves around us mm-hmm. 
I think sometimes that allows us to stay trapped. Yeah. Because if you feel like you're the man or the, you know, that's what's going on in your sphere and you don't advent, uh, you know, get out the box, yeah. just like what you're saying, you know, you stay stuck and Correct. stagnant. How have you used like your art to, to do that in a sense? How you've done? Well, what I've done is um, you kind of have to, you want critiques. Hmm. So there's a visual art alliance here in Houston that I participate uh, in. And we're actually having a peer review tonight. Oh, nice. To where you take your art and it's at the Archway Galleries. Um, we take our art and we have all these artists, all these different and the beautiful thing is so many different nationalities that come out. Nice. So you get different perspectives based on backgrounds is different. Mm-hmm. So we come out and we bring our art and you have your peers, other artists get to critique your art Straight up. <laughs> and everybody in the room get to critique your art. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful thing because some people, they're That's honest. Scary, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful thing because you grow as an artist, mm. but you learn, you learn to take a critique. You, you learn for, you learn for people to tell you, Hey, this is not finished or it is finished or you didn't work. You should work on this. Hey, make it bigger. You learn to get all these critiques. But the beautiful thing about the critiques are, uh, are if you can learn to take a negative critique mm-hmm. and you go back to work, mm-hmm. it's going to put you in a place for when you get the praises, you can still go back to work. Go back to work. Because sometimes when we get so much praise, we feel like, I've made it. Let me calm down. No, you still have to go back That's to true. work. Yes. Because it takes a lifetime to be great at anything. It takes a life. It takes every Stay single day man. of your life. Yeah. You know, you know, so no days off. Yeah. So Legit. that's that's one of the ways that uh you you put yourself as an artist to grow. And you yeah, I go to different cities, I go to different galleries, you introduce yourself, mm-hmm. you meet people. But you don't meet people of saying, hey, I'm an artist, too. I'm an artist. Let me see your work. Let me sit down. Let me have conversations. Let's have a cup of coffee. Let's talk about why you create. Mm. What was your what was your uh, experiences on why you created art? Why did you choose this space? Why did you choose this neighborhood? Man, it, it's just a it's just a wealth of knowledge that you have to you have to be a sponge to absorb all of this just to grow. Just I actually I'll. I've been curious because I dibble and dabble just kind of doing, I've always been curious, like the technique to actually get the, the actual paint <laughs> right. to sit in a certain flow. Right. Like. It's different. It's different. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you for, for my process is different because I rarely use paintbrushes. Rarely. Really? Yeah. But you would have to come to my studio to see how, yeah, Uh, and this is something that I created in a very, very dark time of my life, mm. very, uh, I was still dealing with the grieving uh, aspect of my parents, and you just, when you consistently work, you consistently work, you come up with these techniques and these, these concepts, and I would always, my prayer to God was, God, I want to, I want to create art. Mm-hmm. that nobody's ever created before. Let Give me a technique that nobody has ever created. Mm-hmm. That way I can create 
prosperity. Yes, 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 I know for sure. <laughs> that nobody's ever had, so I could take care of my family. No, that, that's legit. And you know? <laughs> no, no, yeah, and 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 that's a that's a big part of the the introduction and 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 being vulnerable. But you have you have some specific pieces, <laughs> yes. right? Yes. On the that that you're gonna have, mm-hmm. that you're gonna talk about. I mean, we can. Is it five of them? It's five, right? It's, it's I this 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 show is five pieces of art. We're trying to get a bonus in. So I've been I've been to art exhibitions and I've seen how people have brought in and I, I've had an exhibition before. I had one last year where I brought in different pieces of art. But I as the artist, uh I felt like people didn't get to know me. Now I've I talked to people that came out, mm. but I don't know if people actually got to know the artist. I didn't introduce myself of who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. So this is my first, this is my first exhibition to where I'm being actually vulnerable. So this is the abstract. It's a true introduction. Yes, this, this is, is this is me. a true introduction. This is, this is of, me. This is where the work is coming 100%, from. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um yeah, so you, you have a you have a, a, a and and I know there there's 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 trauma behind some, you know, love all all different aspect in a in a person's life that uh you know that one can everything we every all the all the emotions all that the we emotions. feel as humans every day yeah. in our life anyway so you have one called uh new year's eve 2004 yes that's me and my mom. <laughs> okay, let, let's break it down because we're going over them like legit. So we, we, I want I want the whole story, nothing so, but the the so, real deal. Yeah. So New Year's Eve, two thousand four, mm-hmm. is about a conversation that me and my mom had, where she told me I was a product of infidelity uh, from her. Man, you coming in hot. <laughs> <laughs> now, the beautiful thing about this that this conversation took place probably in the fall. Okay. It's probably in the fall of two thousand four. But the reason why I titled it New Year's Eve, because that day my life changed after that. Mm. That next day, my life was forever changed. I, I can imagine. Yeah, my life was forever changed. And what's, what's interesting about this piece, uh, my niece called me a couple mm. of days ago. Okay. And my, my oldest sister, uh, Lisa, she has been getting phone calls about the video I posted in I have elders that know my mom and they're, and they're, t- and they're saying, Sean should take it down because that's too much. He's telling his mom business. And as much as I respect my elders and mm-hmm. I understand where they're coming from at, at this point in my life, I have to be a change agent, an agent of change. Absolutely. Uh, T.D. Jakes has a beautiful book that I will tell anybody to read the disruptors. Disruptors. Yes. Okay. The disruptors. And that's what this is. I have, I'm not disrupting what my mom did, Mm -hmm. but I'm disrupting a stigma of what's out there that people really don't want to talk about. And we have to realize we have to talk about this, not to put the business out, but how do we heal from this? How do we go? That's painful. Yeah, it's very, it was very painful. How do you heal? Keep going. Yeah, it was very painful. How do you heal from this? Because in a situation like this, I'll, I'll say this. Most of my family, friends, and people that I had around me, they didn't know how to help me heal from this because it wasn't their experience. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times people would be like, man, while well, I'm praying for you, you know, you'll get over it. And I realized if we don't have a safe space to talk about this stuff, you got a lot of people 
because I've had men call me and say, Sean, my mother told me the same thing. How are you dealing with this? So now I have, I have, and this is not. Hey, this is a big story, man. Man, listen, this is, this is not, we're not talking about children. We're talking about grown adult men, yeah. but we're talking to that little Lord, boy. Two, three decades yeah. old. You know? But we're that's talking it. to that little boy that's mm. in that grown adult male. That's a, we're talking. We're talking to that little boy yeah. that's in that grown adult male that says, "Wow, I am." That's why I felt that abandonment, or that's why I felt that neglect. Neglect. Yeah. yeah it, but if if you don't have a you don't have a flagship person mm -hmm. to put it into words, well, how does the conversation start? How does the conversation start? How how do we start the conversation to heal if we just want to say, we're just going to cover it with dirt and say, let's not talk about it? I think it. that's what they considered healing is. <laughs> not really. Yeah, A lot yeah. of people actually think that <laughs> yeah. that is healed. They, yeah. if, it's not, if it's not being surfaced, right, yeah. it doesn't. And oftentimes that can lead to dire consequences. Yeah, and, and, and a lot of times, so you, you look at, all right, you look at all of us. Mm -hmm. All of us are seeds. God, God give all of us gifts and, and we have seed. Mm -hmm. Now you can bury your seed or you can plant your seed. Burying your seed and planting your seed is the same action. Digging up the dirt, mm -hmm. putting the seed down. But planting has intentions to grow something. True. Burying, you never want to see this you again. Never wanna see, uh... So, what are your intentions when you do? I know my intentions with this is all about Simple but profound. Yeah, my my intentions with talking about me and my beautiful mother mm -hmm. in this way is not to, not to not to put her business out there, I'm, but understood. it's to heal people, not just men, because you have women in this same perspective. Yeah, you have women is going through this. Who's who is the agent of change for those people? Oh, it's uh <laughs> who who's the who's the one who is the uh, who are we waiting on to heal us true the government is not going there's no government subsidy to talk about this no, so and it's a big matter yeah it's yeah. a big matter so at some point somebody mm -hmm. has to talk about this so i always but say it's, well it's so interesting though because a lot of big problems like that that affects all family no matter the ethnic background nationality mm -hmm. problems like infidelity um uh, cheat baby um <laughs> uh, even we, you know when uh, one adult molests a kid in the right. family you know yeah um that's a serious one. Ser yes. Oh, that's a big one but they're 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 all aligned because yeah. all of them get buried man in yeah, families they get buried and buried so, like I said before, uh, and these things destroy human beings, man. Listen, it's just people don't understand that just how we develop as just people. Um, if you get certain trauma at a certain age, mm -hmm. you certain neurons stop processing the way it's supposed to, and yeah. you get stuck. Yeah, and then that's the thought I had when you said. Is that little boy? Yeah, that you're talking to in that mm -hmm. grown man. Maybe it never came out explicit that. Um, you a cheat baby or whatever, but it came out in like uh, something just. I, I'll I'll be honest with you. I always knew that that's the, and that is the thing. That is I, that, wait I, what? I, I, I always knew. I I always when I was a when I was and you can ask my my sister, 
my sister can contest to this. I would always ask them, why I don't look like no, why I don't look like everybody else in the household? And they would always, they would always joke, oh, we found you on a doorstep. We found you at your grocery store. What? Somebody dropped you off. But the, when I look back, my mom would never think that that was funny. Never thought it was funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it, I, I, oh, I'm like, wait a minute. I remember, uh, Myself and my sister had and this. This was young when you were asking. Oh these yeah, when I was I was a child. I was young, young baby, like under ten. Oh yeah, single digits. Oh wow. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, five so and that six. Seed was. Oh yeah, five or six years old. You you feel it. You it's it's a, I mean you you have instincts. Mm. You have instincts, but it's it's. I remember myself and my sister had this barber in Dallas. We could get our haircut. Mm. After my sister got her hair cut, when I got in the chest, she was like, wait a minute, y'all got two different hair textures. We both fell out laughing. And we oh, we man. told her exactly what it was. And she was like, what? We was like, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> That's the funny. and it's 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 like I knew early. Mm. Most people, I ain't, I'm not gonna say all, but most people know it's an instinct you feel. It's like something is not right. Damn. Something is not right. It, it's a it's an emptiness or it's a void that I'm feeling. Void, yeah. It's a void. It might not be an emptiness, but it's a void. It's, and I will tell anybody, trust your gut, trust your instincts. Not not to destroy stuff around you, mm -hmm. but this is a serious matter. It's definitely serious. And you you mentioned at some point that if you were a baby and you noticed it. Yeah. Pops must have noticed, man. Yeah, uh, in we, some way, shape, or form. Like, I, I've talked to my sister and my brothers about it, and they've alluded to, man, he had to know, like he had to know. But my father, my father gave me the nickname Ring. Rain? Ring. Like, ring. Okay, like got it. Was, it. Ring. It was short for orangutan. Oh, ring. Okay, got you know, it. Orangutans are red. Mm. So that's what that was his that was his question to my mom, like, why is this cat so light skinned, <laughs> like Sheldon? I didn't realize I was light-skinned until I got to college I because I saw everybody else in my household oh, yeah. dark. Mm. So I never looked at myself like I was a light. I'm like, why you keep calling me red or uh, light-skinned? Mm. I'm like, I'm not light-skinned. Gotcha, that's gotcha. Not, that's not what I processed what I looked like. Gotcha. And once I... Once I realized, I'm like, oh, that's why he called me orangutan. I'm like, okay, I get it, I get it now. I'm like, okay. He had some, he had some humor yeah. to it. He didn't, he didn't over. But that's that's a special human being, bro. Hmm. Tell me about it. Because again, just going Tell back to human it. nature and Tell just we're it. mammals, man. You you know what a a a, a male uh, lion does to? Yeah, he gonna kill him instantly. You instantly feel me? He kills him. and then. He kind of had that question in his mind, and he still he's, he still raised me like his like his kid, and that's the that is the respect that I have for my father and all men mm. that are in that situation, because most of the time when you have a situation like that, nobody talks about the respect for the person who kind of has an idea, but never tears the family down. They still stay there. It's not like they question it to where it's like, okay, I'm questioning this. I'm leaving everything. I ain't got no time for this. It was different. Hmm. It was very different. What would be like your thing? Because, dude, this thing is, it's common. I sad yeah, to it's, say. It's, 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 what would you say to a guy now that's like, he, he probably have some type of little 
thing in his mind, but he's like, you know what? I you know I don't want to draw too much drama in my life. How do that person try to start the healing process without tearing the family I, I would, to shreds? I, I would tell him this: if, if, if a guy was in a situation my father was in, if you want to know if this was your hundred percent your child, no matter how old the kid is, understand you have to make a decision of what you're going to do when you find out first. Ooh. What you're going to do? If you're going to stay in the kid life. You got to know the end result yeah, before you even. You, you have to know don't the Go end. dig up that answer. Yeah, don't, don't. You're do, not ready to get yeah, bite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing some gardening the other day, bro. I got So that's yeah. where that came from. Anyways, keep yeah. going. <laughs> so, so if you want to know the truth, you have to know what is your intentions, uh, and what will be your actions. Because if you find out, that this child is not yours, what are you are you still gonna take care of the child? Or are you gonna leave? Because at some point, you can't put yourself on this emotional roller coaster just to just to prove right and wrong. Because mm. now there's a child affected by this. This this kid is affected. That has no fault. That, that has that has no fault whatsoever. So as a man, you have to make a decision. I can't tell you what to say. I, I can't tell you what to do, but you have to be intentional on why you want to know. And you have to be intentional on what's going to be your next actions because there's a kid involved. Mm. I, I, will, I will say when I found that out, my girlfriend at the time, I remember telling her, uh, I don't care if we are married. I want a blood test on all our kids. For the DNA. And you know what she said at that time? Being the girl, the great girlfriend she was, she said, you know what, Sean, that's fine. And years later, I had to call her back and apologize to her. Wow. I, had to, I mean, when I say years, I mean double digit years double later. Digit years, I yes. called her back and I said, I apologize for putting you through that because I didn't realize that you were affected deeply by my trauma. Because actually what I did was I transferred it to you. Yeah. I kind of transferred it to you. Just. Yeah. And, and that wasn't right. So once I once I started my healing process, you say, you know what? Let me make some phone calls to tell some people I'm sorry because I shouldn't have did that and understand emotionally I was in a place where I was viciously hurt, mm. viciously hurt. So, yeah. yeah. That, man, it's, sorry is a word that some people, they die before they say it. Oh, yeah. You have very wise people that can ignite uh, a, f a future mm -hmm. because sometimes, you know, whether you're right, whether you're wrong, you've done something to harm somebody. Mm -hmm. And if you don't even want to say sorry, it just, it puts you in a, in a situation of being stagnant. Yeah. Uh, the, so you said like, which is important, right? Because we talked about the, 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 the topic and again, I have to just re-emphasize re that it is so common. Yeah, this is it, this is like a cup of water in in our community. That's how common it is. Oh it's like God. a cup of water. We don't we don't for some reason for some reason we don't speak about this in my country, <laughs> right? And I don't you know I don't want to be try to be negative <laughs> or anything, but like to come to the U.S., mm -hmm. you have to have. Um, like a DNA test. Say, right. say I'm in the States mm -hmm. for years, right? Because that's a normal immigrant story, right? You come, you build a base, 
you miss out five, ten years of your kid's life, right. but you're making a better future for them here in America until you've established yourself, maybe buy a house, whatever, be more established. Right. Then you're like, okay. You're cultivating. Yes, let my son or my daughter come to the United States. It's so often mm. in my country, like so often. I don't want to make us seem like we're, <laughs> but I, there's statistics out there. On our embassy in particular in Jamaica. Right. That it's kind of almost a 50 50 percent. It's a crapshoot. <laughs> it's a crapshoot. Wait, oh. oh. Like for real, man. Like you're going to send back for that kid and it ain't going to be yours, you're bro. Gonna, you're going to be like, wait, what? Bro, bro. I think language, and that's why we have reggae music. Right. Jamaicans are great at delivering a message mm -hmm. language like a tiny island of three million people have one of the most recognizable instrument that moves people which is music we globally. own a whole globe we globally. own we own a whole genre yes so language is concentrated in such a small amount of people yeah. is powerful yes and i find that in our dialect <laughs> We use the language to soothe ourselves. Mm -hmm. So different, the same word that would mean something <laughs> like totally horrific. Yeah. That you can know what it is as soon as you say it. Yeah. And everybody would be repulsed. Yeah. In our culture, oftentimes we just use a different word mm -hmm. and just replace it, especially if that particular thing is very bad. Yeah. So like one of the reasons why I have this such passion for renewables mm -hmm. is as a child, I have this vivid memory where uh, I was home with my mom, light went out, and it was just the Jamaica Public Service, JPS, they literally kind of just came around haphazardly and yanked down the lines because in my country, they call it bridge light, mm -hmm. hence the name of my show, right. Energy Bridge, right? Got you. The bridge light. Mm, bridge, okay, okay. Bridging light, bro, it is not, it's very dangerous. Right. And it's just stealing electricity. Because what they're doing, they're using their own little wires from out their house mm -hmm. and go tap it on the live wire on right. the main wire and then power their household items, right? So it's stealing light. But again, in my culture, they, 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 they do not like stealing. Like, mm -hmm. if you get caught stealing in my culture, yeah. bro, like, you're going to, you you're gone. Yeah. Like, I can't even imagine some of the violence that be, I've seen. It's going to be harsh punishment. I'm, I'm not making stories up. Some of the punishment that I've seen mm -hmm. thieves got in my, with my own two eyes like just random stranger coming out of nowhere stabbing folks right. because he was alleged to steal. Like, Allegedly. We like, don't even know for Yeah, you know, you know, like, what they call it crowd. Like, everybody just getting a, a frenzy. Right. And it's like everybody's going out for blood. I've seen that. Like a mob almost. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, Jesus Christ, this guy's going to die in front of my eye because just random people are just Yeah, because he's a thief. Thief, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm just trying to underscore how we don't like thieves right. as a culture. And then... To kind of one of the reasons to we're, we're very entre uh, enterprising type of people, right? Very entrepreneurial stuff like that. Right. But now, two thousand dollars a year, two thousand U.S. dollars a year is the uh, pay minimum wage in Jamaica. Okay. 
wow. for the U.S., 2000 for the entire per annum. Wow. They cannot afford to pay for lights. So a significant portion of the population wow. still light. And I was in that population, right? right? And I used to see the adults do it. Yeah. I used to climb up that and they do it. They know what they're doing. Yeah. And one day I was home with my mom. Lights went out. I was like, shit, I see the adults <laughs> doing it. I'm yeah. going to try. I got up there, just climbing, 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 man. And I was wearing some construction. I know nothing what I'm doing. I think I thought I saw the adults do it. So I was just going to try. Right. And then my mom just started bawling, hollering. And I kind of looked down at her one more time. I was like, you know what? I ain't going to do that. I'm going to get down. I'm going to get down, right? Because <laughs> I'm like 12, 13 at the yeah. time. I was a kid, right? So that was a, I, I, that long story I'm actually explaining to say, we use the language to soothe yeah. certain negative connotations. We change it. We change it. So bridging light, because we all do it. Right. Is, I'm no, no, I'm not a thief. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a thief. I'm not a thief. I'm just bridging life. I'm just right? bridging it, yeah. We all do it. We're bridging it, right? Yeah. You, you see where I'm coming yeah. from? I explained that to say this. There's a Because I'm actually thinking about this in real time as I think about how we speak as a country. Mm -hmm. um, another one, you use the term cheat baby. Yeah. Like you call it cheat baby. We're, yeah. I remember we... And that just immediately just feels icky, yeah. man. Somebody cheat and there's a baby. <laughs> yeah. And, and, the, and the reason why... For, for, and I'll say this, I'll say this. When this whole process happened, it, it took maybe two years for me to really heal from it and come to myself and have a conversation with my mom. Mm. So after we had this conversation, I had to be intentional about her healing now mm. because I'm not the only one in this situation. So now she's been living with this secret because I was 23 when she told me. So now what I what I what we did, me, my brothers and sisters, she would she would say things like, hey, you call your dad for Father's Day. And jokingly, we, we would be like, which one are you talking about? Oh my so, God. so now we made it. We made it for her comfortable to talk about because we joked about it. And that was my way of telling her it's OK. Like, mine, it's okay. Like, that's what, when people say, oh, don't talk about your mama, your mother's business. You don't even understand the relationship I had with my mother. Mm. You had a relationship with my mom, a, a, a friendship with my mom. You didn't have the personal and family relationship with my mom. So you didn't see all the things she had to go through. So even with that, people don't realize that I, I did my best to make my mom feel better about the situation because I told her, I totally understand you made a mistake. You took the sting out yeah, of it, man, yes, a little bit. Yeah, you, you got to take it out. And we joked about it consistently. I always, we, man, I would tell all type of jokes. Hey, bro, you know... You know, I could sense that about your personality. It's ingrained in you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you, 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 I, you know how to make a tense situation relax. Yeah, you have to, man. You, you think you learned that from that? Uh, I, I, I think. And you know how I picked up that on you? Like when that time when we were having that four, four of us in the uh, podcast. Uh -huh. And it's a tiny little room. It's filled. <laughs> None of us really know each other that right. much. And you're the one that you just kind of broke the ice. Right. Before I think before we even got on camera, we just broke the ice and I'm like, that's a special little yeah. thing. Man, I I'll I'll tell you a conversation 
me and my mom had with this 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 music teacher, Mr. Brinson. Mm. I was going to Schaumburg Elementary in New Orleans East. And my mom came to pick me up uh, after school one day. The cops were saying that there's a lot that schools over there is oh, not too good. in the east. Yeah, they're not too good. In New Orleans, it? it's it's we, that's a whole that's a whole other conversation. different conversation. You're a hero. You're yeah, here. It's, it's a totally different <laughs> conversation. Yeah, go ahead. So my music teacher, Mr. Brinson. Yeah, like, that's a whole. <laughs> yeah, too much politics in that one. I got you. Keep so going. my my music teacher, Mr. Brinson, mom come pick me up from school. And he stopped it. He said, hey, Mr. Wil- Miss Wilson, I want to talk to you about something. And she was like, yes. And he was like, Sean is a very active child. Now, active mean bad. <laughs> Sean is a very bad, uh, active child. And he said, but he is a leader. Mm. And he said, now, he's not a leader of just his own kind. He's a leader of all races. He said, if I was you. I will put him in situations to where he learns how to lead. And my mom was like, okay, we got in the car. We went home. She never said nothing else. <laughs> but, but you remember that. I remember uh, it. I remembered it. I remember everything he said. Man, I remember it. Yeah, yeah. Now, I don't fault my mother for, for not saying, you know what, let me take this serious because life was lifing and she had her own responsibilities. But it was said in front of me, and he saw something. Mm. He saw something. So for myself, I realized when you are put in a position of leadership Mm. and you are put in a position of influence and affluence, you're not going to be for everybody. True. How you lead is not going to be for everybody. But you have to have the intentions. Your intentions have to be, okay, this has to help majority of the people. And for everybody, it doesn't help. Eventually, they'll get it. They'll get it they'll yeah. under, or they'll understand why it was said. But then a message only reach a person when they're open for that message. Correct. No matter how you're crafting it, yeah. I think. Yeah. Like if you're not ready to, I mean, no matter if no matter the beauty of the seed or how great the seed is, yeah. if the soil is not ready it's yeah, it's, gonna wither it's, away. It's, it's not gonna happen. It's yeah. not gonna happen. That yeah, and and that touched on a, a, a very important point. Like when, when you're in a leadership role, since we're talking about that and people see you as a leader, even if even if you personally don't see yourself as a leader, anytime when you're in a leadership role, man, you gotta be careful what comes out your mouth. Yes, you, you have to. Especially amongst kids. Yeah. Cause just like what you're saying, that guy you looked at him as a leader because he was a he was a teacher, right? Yes, he's a music teacher. He's a music teacher, right? And he just said that randomly. Yeah. And it, prof- it right now you're a whole adult, and it's just it's a thing that's in your brain. And, and I and I could tell you exactly what he did. So a lot of times when he would come, I would just be my disruptive self in the music class. But what he did, because he was a great leader, and I picked, I picked this is a leadership ability that I all, I've taken with me in every leadership role that I've ever been in. Mm. He understood that I was the child that was fearless, but I had the, I had the, the energy to just not listen. I'm going to just do what I want to do. But he also realized that the kids listened to him. So what he did as a leader, you know what? I'm going to give Sean a directions. I'm going to tell him. I'm going to employ him. He's smart. Yeah, I'm going to employ him because really what's happening is he don't have enough to do. 
<laughs> Once I give him something to do, he has the influence. All the other kids are going to follow him. Mm. He has the energy because that's the leadership quality. Yeah. That's the that's the discovery quality of a leader. You got the energy. I'm I'm looking to what's next. I'm I'm just not sitting here looking for directions. I'm actually I'm actually got my own scroll writing down what <laughs> what my rules and regulations are thing. yeah got it <laughs> so once he realized wait a minute if i can get him if i can if i can put him in a, a, a position to where he feels like he's doing something he won't be so bad i'm going to give him this to do other kids are going to follow and that's exactly what they did fast forward i worked for the department of energy for 10 years and I was a uh, I was a safety chairperson. And okay. most jobs, people hate safety. People hate when oh, safety yeah. comes. Because safety going safety is gonna take out that manual and say you're doing this wrong, that wrong, that wrong. It's so, like HR comes. Yeah, it's like <laughs> HR. So so uh my supervisor at the time, he would ask me, he was like, Sean, how do we get them to buy into safety? I say, let's take the employee that gives us the most pushback. Let's give them something to do. Let's the person that gives us the most pushback. Let's employ them. I'm going to keep telling them, "Hey, I need help with this. I would like for you to help with this." And you know what? The whole culture changed. Because the person That's a gym. Yes, because the, the 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 strongest person who had the voice that was against safety once you once you give them something to do and they get kudos, it's like, wait a minute, I like this. It's a gym, bro. You just change the energy. Leadership gym. Yeah. Keep the energy. Keep the same enthusiasm. But we're just going to change your target of what we're doing and what the goal is. Yeah. And that, that influenced people's life just in general, right? Because if you're going in one direction, you kind of just keep doing the same thing and the same mm -hmm. thing over and over. You're going to end up in a whole different yeah. ballpark yeah. versus if you do same energy, yeah. but it's just that you're doing the same thing of the same thing. That's a little bit good yeah. versus a little bit bad. None of them is extreme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you keep it, you keep it, you keep it, you keep it level. <laughs> same energy. <laughs> But one taking you both start here, one mm -hmm. taking you before yeah. you know it, you're in two different states. Yeah, two different places. Start with the same energy. But to even tap back into the thing that you said, leaders influence even when they're not trying to influence. So if you you if you become in a sense where you're a leader, because I when you said that as you were a kid, kinda uh, that conversation, I had a very influential teacher in my life um i was just in the in the in in you know like the village area you'd call it you know the poor very poor area and he saw some talent in me mm -hmm. and he recruited me out of we call it all aid school and had me went to a prestigious high school mm -hmm. saint Jacob is the best one of the best in the entire nation and obviously i would have never even gone from where i was right to where I am right now, just by high school, it's the best thing that ever happened to me up to today. And I've accomplished a great deal of things still on my journey, but I wouldn't even have come in close right. to even come to the States. And if I wasn't in the States, my, I don't think my journey would have been this far at this age. Right. So so I'll, I'll segue into yeah. the next painting, Andy mm -hmm. Leon. Yes, so Andy Leon. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you how that leadership quality 
Sometimes it ah. backfires. Really? Yeah. So we were at Southern University. Uh, had to be the spring of 2003. And me and my friend Andy Leon, we we majored in criminal justice. Okay. We actually played football at Kennedy together. Actually came to Southern. We was roommates. And the Forest Service came. Mm-hmm. It was a career day at uh at our college, the Nelson Mandela School of Public Policy. So the Forest Service came. So I was like, man, I say, Andy, I think it would be beneficial if we got federal jobs this summer because it's gonna give us a federal, uh, it's going to give us that G, uh, that I want to say is a GSA or that GSA number, or mm-hmm. I forgot what it is. A certification. Yes. Okay. It's going to give us those hours on our resume. So when we graduate, we have, we've, we got government experience. So it, it put us in a better position to get employment. Mm-hmm. So he was like, okay. So he was like, well, what you want to do? I said, well, I don't necessarily want to do the, uh, the, uh, the park ranger. I want to do a fire, a firefighter. So I was like, what would you want to do? He was like, well, I'm going to do a firefighter too. So I said, okay. So I said, well, let's talk about, because the fair went on for three days. I said, well, let's tomorrow, let's go back to class and see if they can give us a contact number on somebody in the uh, firefighter department. Long story short, they did. They hired us like the same day. The same day. Like the, once once they, once they, we was interested, it, didn't, it, it was like the next day they was like, okay, fill out this application and this and that. So... To tie all the leadership back in, mm-hmm. his mother, Miss Leon, told him, "Well, Andy, I don't think you should go." Really? But me being that that oh. assertive leader, I said, "Well, Andy, I don't think your mother. I won't. Don't listen to her right now." What? Don't listen to her because she don't realize how tough it's gonna be on black men, on us. Once we graduate, we're gonna need some federal experience. This is in high school. This is in college. This is college. This okay, is college. Gotcha, I'm gotcha. like, she's she don't know what we're setting up to do. I said, do you know how many people graduating from colleges every year? We have Southern. Mm. Not saying that Southern is like the armpit of colleges, but we gotta give ourselves some type of attraction to somebody to hire us once we get out of school. Now, this is the stuff that we're thinking about at 23 years old. We're not just partying at Southern. We're not just having just party nights. We're actually looking at the future. So his mother actually told him, no, I don't think you should go. And I'm like, Andy, I don't think your mama know what we need to do. I'm like, don't listen to her. I'm like, nah, we going. I said, nah, we going. We going. And he went against his mother. And we got out there. And on the second day, I watched my friend drown. Jeez. And the whole time, I the, the entire time, we walked this lake. We're looking for him. Mm. That's the first thing. I kept, I kept repeating it to myself. What am I going to tell his mother? Now, granted, before I left, mm. my mother warned me and him, mm-hmm. do not go out there and get in that water. Mm. Like we had all of the boundaries set up, yeah. but we still did what we wanted to do. We still did it. So I can say that was one of those times as a leader that I had to be accountable for the whole situation. Damn. And people would tell me, no, Sean, it's not your fault that he passed. And I'm like, nah, you don't realize who I am and what I said. Mm. And that's the thing about life. When you go through high traumatic situations to heal, mm-hmm. you have to establish accountability, whether it's you or somebody else. Not right or wrong, not right or wrong, not yeah. pointing the finger. 
But you have to sit back and say, okay, I'm accountable for that. What did you say to his mother? When I got back, I just told her the story. I, I, I just oh told her the story. I, that's the only thing. And, and I, I, I told her. I told exactly what I said. And she would say, you know what, Sean? He, he still, that, was your, that was your friend. He still went with you. But those were one of those, that was one of those times to where being a leader, it stung. It hurt. Oh, that hurt. Of course. And, and it still hurts because it took maybe made me feel just like yeah just and, like, and, like, and, and a lot of people a lot of people don't voice those times where they push the envelope and things don't go right a lot of tr that's the stuff they like to bury they like to bury those times but in all honesty though i mean 23 you're still a kid in essence man you're a young man you're a yeah. young young man you know you you you're just you're pushing your weight around you know you know that your friend is going to listen to you we do that yeah you know just as human beings uh it's just unfortunate that it just ended up to the extreme right. death. but and 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 but you still see it as an avenue to to take ownership yeah 100% because to your point being you once you become a leader mm. you can't unbecome a leader you just become a bad leader dude you can't unbecome a leader you just become a bad leader I hope anybody here that it connect the way it just connected to me yeah, yeah that, that's the thing so you learn these things you cannot not be a leader you're gonna be a leader of some sort yeah so either you're gonna be gandhi or you're gonna be hitler yeah you're gonna, you, you're gonna be a, you're gonna you, be, you're gonna lead you have, somebody. You have to pick, you have to pick. But that, that situation, it put me in a situation to where I had to realize, like, wow, okay, now I realize mm. I have to watch my opinions that I give people. I have to watch me injecting my opinion when people are telling me things because sometimes what we do is we inject. Well, if I was you, I would do this. Mm. But you don't realize that person's shoulders might can't handle that weight you put on them. You don't realize the situation you put them in by giving them advice. So a good leader, you're gonna give them, you're gonna give them advice based on who they are, not what you want them to be, mm. but who this person is. What kind of weight can this person's shoulders handle? So that situation, and Sheldon is is so I have to say this, yeah. me and his brother, Corey, and this summer was the 20th anniversary of his passing. This this, it happened in, it happened in, in 2003, mm. it's 2023 20, now. Yeah. This year years, was 20 exactly. And it was years. a summer, so it's recently just happened. So a month ago was the first time I sat down and talked to his brother and told him exactly what happened. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, before I put the video out, I even, I, before I did the video, I sat, I talked to Miss Leon, I said, hey, this is what I want to do, and this is why I want to do this. Mm. And she was like, I want you to talk to Corey, because his brother is still dealing with it. Because he was a big brother, even though he was my little brother, Andy was my little brother, he was a big brother to somebody else. Corey was his little brother. Mm. And I never, I, I felt selfish because I said, well, you know what? God, I never, I never thought about talking to Corey. 
Mm-hmm. So we we went, we sat, and we talked for a couple of hours, and it was like it was good. And he was like, "Man, this, and this was I, I almost cried when he told me this." He said, "Sean, he said I've been dealing with this since this happened because my brother was my everything." But he said, "You know, people didn't really know what happened." But he said, "I knew nothing funny happened with my brother because he was with you." Wow. And I was like, oh. I was like, man, I appreciate wow. that. He was like, I, I knew nothing bad. I, I knew nothing. Yeah. Because he was it. with you. He was with you. He was with you. So I knew it, it was it was good. You know, whatever happened, because he was with you. So, you know, people, being a leader, you you de- you're you're consistently developing. Mm-hmm. You know, as a leader, you're always a good leader, but you need great followers. True. You need great followers, but being a leader. You have to understand you are always developing as a leader. You're always learning how to lead. You're always learning how to communicate with different people. And you're learning, okay, where do I have to go back and fill those voids for people? I might have led this far and I might have left them. True. I didn't dot all those I's and cross all those those T's. (laughs) And I could tell, I can see just, I can see just in your transition how you have developed throughout the the years kind of handling that. Yeah. So, and then another big one that we're going to look at is what? Purple Heart 2. Purple Heart 2. That's my dad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Purple Heart 2 has to deal with the, uh, and that's, this is a very interesting story. Mm -hmm. It has to deal with the evening that uh, myself, mm-hmm. my brother that passed, and I have a uh, man. I have a story about him, yeah. and my sister. We witnessed. I didn't know uh, you had a brother that passed, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I want, and we're gonna talk about that today. Mm. So that that talks about the night that my father was shot in front of us at our doorstep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, I want to say the early '90s. I want to say I probably was. It was probably 1993. My father was coming home from work, mm-hmm. and he was met at the door uh, by this gunman who was robbing him, okay? So the guy, you know, told my father, give me all your money. My father was like, I don't have any money. So my father managed to ring the doorbell. Now, me and my brother is playing a video game. My sister is in the room. This is a Friday night. We figure if somebody's ringing the doorbell, look, we're going to go up there, you know? Yeah. We're children. So if somebody's ringing the doorbell, we yelled to my sister, hey, go to the door. And she yelled back, y'all go to the door. So we like, man, we playing the game. Right, <laughs> so right, right. my sister eventually gets up and she goes down the hall. So me and my brother, my brother instincts, just instincts make him get up. Mm-hmm. Now he was the protector of the kids. That was who he was. So he get up, he go down the hall. Instantly I follow him. But for some reason, Sheldon, as we turn to go down the hall, everything starts slowing down. And I'm like, okay, this is weird. So once we get to the door, once me and my brother get to the door, by this time my sister got to the door, she opened it. Boom. The guy shoots my father. My father falls on the door, falls on my sister. My brother instantly, no fear, goes behind the gunman. There's, 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 no, there's no wait, get back, get down, none of that. It's instantly outside. It's instantly, it's instantly charged. So that's we, a fight or flight yes, mechanism. And, yes, and it was a hundred. It was a straight fight. I'll say this. In my house, I, I grew up with a hundred percent. Everybody in that house was A-type personalities. Damn. Everybody. They're going for it. Everybody was A-type. Per- I'm going to just say that. Straight up. I get it. <laughs> Everybody get was it. A-type personality. So 
my brother gives chase and I go outside. I watch my brother jump into this Delta 8080 head and he goes over the neutral ground, flattening all four tires. And he is going up the street chasing this guy. And eventually they catch him. They caught him. Wow. Yeah, they caught him. They caught him. And I guess security. And at the time it was called the Oak Brook Apartment. This dude got no gun. Saw a guy shot somebody and Listen. chased him with Listen. no gun. Instinct. Instinct. That's a lion heart right yeah, there, yeah. man. Yeah, we, we just saw what happened to Dad. So what, what are you going to do? True. That's true. <laughs> what are you going to do? But in hindsight, yeah. it was like straight <laughs> yeah. beast mode. Yes. So uh, my father is, my sister sits my father on the couch. He has this knit cap, the scully that he has on. He take it off and he put it on his head. He's, he's bleeding. So my sister's on the phone with uh, the police. I go outside and I can see my, I can see the sparks mm. from the tires from him chasing this guy because this guy's on foot and he runs into these uh, apartments. By this time, uh, it, seemed, it seemed like everything happened in maybe like five minutes every, or five seconds. Mm -hmm. By this time, EMS is pulling up, but my mom is not home. So my mom pull up. She pulls up and she was like, what is going on now? I'll, I'll say this. Our house wasn't, we wasn't strange to the police. My, my brother was who he was. So gotcha. the police knew who we were. <laughs> I'll say understood, that. Understood. They, were, they were very, they were acquainted with our family. Soul, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they were acquainted with our family. So my mom just thought, hey, what is going on? So I said, daddy just got shot. And that was the first time I heard my mother use a very endearment term towards my father and she was like oh my baby where is my baby that was the first time i ever heard her say that really ever that's the first time i ever heard her use that type of verbiage yeah talking about my father mm -hmm. and she went inside all the police came and they actually started cutting my dad clothes off and I think when they cut my dad's socks off, he had $1,000 in his sock, his right sock. And he had another $300 in his left sock. He wasn't giving up his money. So my mama yeah. say, wait, give me that. <laughs> my mama say, wait, 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 wait. So give me that. giving away his money. Yeah, wait, wait, wait give him. me that. I think that dude was following, man. He probably saw when he put that money in his I, sock. To be honest, I think we outgrew the neighborhood. New Orleans East started changing. And... We lived on Lake Forest Boulevard, and I think we had got to a point financially because my mom was a nurse, my dad was an electrician engineer. Mm. So we had outgrew the neighborhood. The neighborhood had started changing. Gotcha. So we never, we never moved. We stayed there. And the one thing about that night that was so, uh, it stuck out, to, it, it, it just stuck out to all of us, is this one female officer that came to the house. She was the only officer that was smiling. And it ended up being, and there's a book about this whole situation. Mm -hmm. It ended up being uh, that former N NOPD officer, Antoinette Frank. Mm. She's the only, she's the only females on death row right now in Louisiana. With the officer? Yes, she was a police officer. She was actually, man, she had so many crimes that she had going on in the city. While she was an officer? While she, oh yeah, she, she killed a few people. She's, she's on death row right now. She's on she death row right now. And look her up, Antoinette Frank. Antoinette she Frank. actually was at our house that night. And the reason why she stuck out, because she was the only officer that was smiling. Oh, I, she's a, obviously a... Yeah, a, she was, she was, she's definitely, she's individual. definitely, she's definitely has some mental health issues. But 
that night that that changed everything for us that specific night it it it's, it was so many even though it was so chaotic when i think about it it was so many different revelations that came about me even being a child that young mm. that came about that night so that is what that is what purple heart 2 is about okay so that's but why the name Purple Heart? So though? my father was a Marine. Oh, that's, and, that's, that's what I was thinking. So after he did this, my father actually, he didn't die. He just lost his left eye. Lost his left but eye. my father went back to work, made a full recovery, and he never complained. Mm. So I gave him a Purple Heart. You know, mm. I, I, I looked at him like, you know what? This guy survived this. My father survived this. My father didn't, he didn't turn into oh, somebody. Gave yeah, I gave him the purple heart. Right? Yeah. yeah. He would you have know? totally got one if he was if he was in if he was if he was in you know, if he was in in the line of duty, he would have got one. So I felt like as his son, what I watched him doing, how I watched him recover from that. My father still went to work, still worked at Avondale Shipyard. I think he started working at Avondale Shipyard. That's the only job I ever knew him to have when he was like three years old. He just worked there forever. Yeah, you don't, you don't, don't build them like that. Anymore. Yeah, he worked there forever. And I just saw my father make this full recovery. He never was spiteful. He never complained about it. And, he, and this guy went from having two eyes to one. People would, even my friends would make jokes. Ah, your daddy got one eye. I'm like, at least I got one. Uh, uh, <laughs> at least I got one. Pun, yeah, yeah, at least I got one. Straight up pun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got one, one though. Yeah, some people got two eyes and both of them. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I get it. That's, that's funny. <laughs> when, the last time you, when the last time your father saw yours with both of his eyes, uh, right, we're not going to do that. Yeah. We're not going to do that. We're going we to stay focused. But you know, kids, oh, kids, uh, I yeah, get it. I get kids. it. Yeah. So, but even. Even at that, I didn't hold that against those children because we were kids. Mm -hmm. We were kids, man. So yeah. it's it's all it's it's all fun and games. No worries. So the 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 other one that we have coming up is the walk. The walk. The walk. Yeah. Nice. So so the walk is it's a uh, so the walk is a situation to where I feel like when people talk about uh, an experience or a situation in their life where their light was turned on. Mm -hmm. So the walk takes place in New Orleans East. My mom and my dad had a, they had a, they had a pretty volatile relationship. A lot of, lot of physical abuse at times. That, that physical abuse. That was one of the reasons why the police was come by. That that and my brother just was who he was. My brother that yeah, no longer my, my with brother us. my brother was a real street guy, like real street guy. And he's the one who's no longer with us. Yeah, he's no longer with us. Mm. So. In this situation, uh, we ended up moving with my grandmother for a little while because of a domestic situation that my mom and my dad had. So uh, I used to just ride my bike to football practice. I used to play peewee football for Joe Brown Park, mm. which was probably a mile from the house. So I would ride the bike to practice and ride the bike back. Now me staying at Bunker Hill it's kind of further, but it's much more traffic. It's a more traffic area. Now it's a service road. It's a main street. It's so much. It's just much more, much, much more traffic congestion for me to, 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 to move around on a bike, <clears throat> being that young. Mm. So one evening, my mom was working overnight. So she would drop me off at football practice. And this first night... I was like, well, who's going to come get me? So <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> there's nobody, and I can't ride my bike home. There's, there's nobody to come get me. So yeah. I called my grandmother's house. 
back in these days, there was no call ID. So everybody picked up the phone. Mm. So they was like, hey, this is coach such and such. And they was like, okay, they're coming. So <clears throat> two of my cousins came, my cousin Trisha and her husband at the time, Emmanuel. Mm -hmm. He was in the military. So they picked me up and I get in the car. They was like, and he was like, hey, next time you come from practice, you better hump at home. And I'm like, hump at home? I'm like, why are you talking about sex? I'm like, what they got? But I'm not realizing he's saying walk. Walk, yeah. Just, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm not understanding yeah, the lingo. You're a camel. Yeah, I'm, I'm you better man, hump it to home. That's yeah, what I'm picking up. Yeah. From. <laughs> so I'm like, hump it. I'm like, what is that? I'm thinking he's talking about sex. I'm like, what, what they got to do with you this? Walk up like yeah. a camel. <laughs> <laughs> so the next evening, uh, so the next evening, mom have to go to work early. Mm. So now I get get dressed. I get my football equipment on. So I go in the living room and say, hey, anybody want to take me to football practice? So they're like, no, we're not taking the practice. Uh, we not. We told after we wasn't going to be doing this. So what I did was I put my helmet on. And, and like I said in the video, respectfully, I said, you know what? F this. I'm going to practice. So I start walking. Mm. And I walk. I remember, I remember crying. I remember, I remember saying, you know what? F them. I'm, I'm, I want to go to football practice. This is what I want to do. And I'm like, somebody going to pick me up. Somebody going to stop and pick me up. Well, nobody didn't. Mm. By the time I get to Joe Brown Park, it's dark. It's nighttime. When I get there, I can see the team. And you know how how the team, it, the practice is over. Over, yeah. They're so just now hard, they're, they're nice huddled day. up. Yeah, they're yeah. huddled up because every Sweetie coach is, just yeah, we're every, the leave, coach yeah. is giving his spiel about practice. But this lady said, hey, son, who you out here with? She was like, I said, well, I'm out here by myself. So she was like, what do you, where do you come from? I said, I walked. She said, where are your parents? I said, well, my mom's at work. And as soon as she said that, the coach said, hey, Sean, you out here by yourself? And I, I tell people, this lady made a decision that really could have, she, she made a decision to say, he's with me. If she would have not said that, I guarantee CPS would have got involved. Because uh, how yeah. did this child walk out the house and like he waited all the way here to football practice? So yeah. she said he's with me. So I knew her son. So I ended up, you know, getting a ride back with her to my grandmother's house. And when we get there, she was like, you sure you live here? And I was like, yeah. So we pull up. Let that lady read the situation. One, yeah, two. Yeah, she read it. So she was like, okay, I'll bring you home. So when she pulled up in front of the house, she stayed in the street. She didn't pull to the curb. So when I got out, when, she, when that door closed, skirt, she took off. Oh, just that part <laughs> yeah, of the neighborhood. She, yeah, yeah, she wasn't, but she wasn't trying. To, she was like, look, I got you this far. I, I don't know if this your house or not, but I'm not responsible for it. Yeah. And when I went inside, and I, like I said in the video, this was the beautiful, most confusing thing I ever experienced. Because when I went inside, I realized nobody knew I had been gone. Nobody said, where you been? And it was like business as usual. Wow. Nobody knew I had been gone. Mm. And I realized that day, I'm like, all right, Sean, you're responsible for you. Regardless of what you want in, in life. That moment. That yeah. moment. I made a declaration. To, I said, nah, you're responsible for you. You can't, de you can't depend and rely on people to hold your hand through life. And I don't look at my family like it was neglect. But I looked at it like it, it it was they gave me the space to grow. But even in that situation, somebody was responsible for that. True. Somebody was responsible. But as you grow and as you develop as a person, you realize, you know what? 
the reason why God gave me that trial and tribulation because he knew I was going to survive it. Mm-hmm. And it was going to make me better on the other side. Right. So that's what the walk, that's what the walk that's is walk. about. I like how you have this whole idea of extreme ownership, man. There's, yeah. a, there's a book called Extreme Ownership where it's just like, no matter what. Jacko Willis. Yeah. Jacko. I'm, yeah. I'm <laughs> yeah. going to take some level of accountability. Yeah, you got to be accountable. And I'm going to see how this experience, whether it's your fault or not. Yeah. How I'm gonna grow from it. So yeah. that that's that's pretty that's pretty neat. Um, a mother's right to passage. Yeah. So this is so that that piece, it comes from a day I remember so vividly. I was real young, probably like four or five. Mm. I remember my mom called me. She was in the kitchen washing dishes, and I I I keep that what she had on is key because I remember it. She had this blue. A uh, house gown on with these floral prints on it, and she was like, "Sean, come here." And I was like, "Huh?" And I, you know, I'm yes. And she looks down and she's washing dishes. She says, "Look, son, I I actually have this tattooed on my leg." Mm. She says, "Son, you're a very special person." Mm. She said, "You're not better than anybody, but you are special." And I'm looking up and I'm like. Okay, that's it. She's like, all right, now go back and play. I'm like, so I'm like, well, what? I'm like, all right. But, <clears throat> but at that moment, I didn't realize what she had done. I didn't realize that she was telling me, look, son, you're going to have to understand that you're not, you're, you are going to be different than most people around you. Mm-hmm. Some people are going to be for you. Some people are not going to be for you. Mm. But you have to understand. You have to get. You have to get a foundation of who you are. You have to get that foundation. And what she did was she put me in a situation with those words where any situation that I was in, like you said, I always took accountability for it. Mm-hmm. I was always ready to face it. When times got hard. I, I didn't look for the I didn't look for the easy route. Mm-hmm. I look for okay, if it's hard, how how can I fix this? But how will this help me going forward to never happen again? But who else can I help for this never happen again to? Mm. Who else? Who else? Who? Because we don't go through all of this traumatic experiences by ourselves for ourselves. Yeah. A lot of this stuff that we go through is to help other people who don't have the leadership to help them. So that's just that's just a video. That's just a statement that she gave me. And she put me in a situation to where she really was. I think she was prepping me to be a leader. leader, She's prepping me to say, hey, son, you're different. You're special. But she was also telling me you're not better than anybody now. Don't think that you're better because you're special. You know what I'm saying? So she said a lot in that that, that small statement. It was a lot. That's a tiny statement kind of encompasses. Uh, a, a lot for you as a as a child, man. So yeah. it's the 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 whole journey that you kind of put in, you know, all your art. Mm-hmm. It really, I can see a a thread through it, and a lot of that we've been talking about is just accountability. Yeah, and it ended up being, um, and you know what? Thinking about that. I think once somebody have the confidence to say I'm vulnerable is when they've actually took accountability. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's kind of like where 
we're those. But we got to get the bonus, man. Tales of Two Souls, man. Because so, yeah, I know so, it's not gonna be on the exhibit, yeah. but it's gonna, you know what I mean. Yeah, so, so, so the so the tale, the so the tale of, two, of two, souls two Souls is. I really like those, by the way, man. They're cool. Go it's ahead. A, it's a, it's a, it's an expression to relationships, mm. and. I always, I always tell people I'm a sucker for love. I, I love, I love relationships. I'm, I'm a single guy now, but I love relationships. And the tale of two souls is, it's a representation of when you, when two people get into a relationship, understand every single person has a tale. They have a story. Hmm. And you, when I would, when my friends would get married, right, I would be in. And I remember one year I was in three weddings, like in one month. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of weddings. Yeah, that's a lot of weddings. And I would keep hearing the the preacher reiterate until death do us part. And for me, I interpret that is that's how long it's going to take you to get to know this person. Wow. That's how because they're forever changing. True. It these, makes sense. These two souls, they're not going to stay the same if it i feel like in relationships the woman is betting on one horse and this is a terrible analogy (laughs) and the man is betting on another horse the woman is betting on a man i hope he change and the and the man is betting on man i hope she don't change (laughs) (laughs) so now we betting on two different horses (laughs) instead of instead Mm -hmm. of us getting together and understanding let me in on what have your soul endured mm-hmm. and i'm gonna let you know what my soul endured and very it, it's just a it's just a it's express it's an it's expressing about being being vulnerable yeah. you you have to be vulnerable to somebody somewhere mm. <laughs> That's you, true. you have to be vulnerable and with your significant other the person you lay next to if you can't be vulnerable with that person who can you be vulnerable with yeah that's true. So that's that's the and that's the tale of two souls, and it's a it's about a relationship that I've had. I'm not gonna say I which know, one. No, I'm, <laughs> sure, sure. I'm not, I'm not gonna you. say. I'm not gonna say which which one. But you know, it's it's an it's an old two relationship. He's like he's like stuffing the tell all at the end of the tell all because we're about to wrap up. He's like, what? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep some of the sauce. Fellas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I, I can I'm tell kidding. you I tell you a fun fact, mm. uh, an interesting fact about my brother. Mm-hmm. Me and my brother is always had a, a a relationship because he was the, my older brother i remember uh my brother ended up doing jail time mm-hmm. and i remember going to see my brother every wednesday uh at orleans parish prison me and my mom would go down there and see him and see him and i remember the last time he went to prison he actually went to federal prison for like eight years but it, it sent him up north mm-hmm. And I remember I used to always answer the phone. When my mom used to always say, "Stop answering the phone." Every time he called, one, one yes, yeah. what's up, man? Because yeah, yeah. I felt like that's my brother. He protected me when when he was out. It's no way I cannot answer the phone. No, yeah. So uh, I'll fast forward, and when the twins for our baby shower, mm-hmm. the morning of the baby shower, uh, well, the weekend of the baby shower, my brother, my whole family came down. And the Friday night, my brother was like, hey, let's go turn up tonight. And I was like, nah, I can't turn up tonight. 
I have a class, uh, a boot camp class to teach in the morning. Mm-hmm. So he was like, all right, cool. We're just going to get up tomorrow. I said, well, what you getting ready to do? He was like, well, I'm going to get out. Me and my girl can get out. He was so, man, my brother was so proud of, he brought his girl down here. He was like, man, my room got a hot tub in it and everything, man. Yeah. And he was really doing good because we had all been grieving my mother. So he was really coming back from that. And his girl at the time, she was real instrumental and he was talking about going to therapy, mm. talking about getting a passport. He was like, man, I want to travel. He had a very, very healthy woman in his life. Gotcha, she, gotcha. The, the woman was super healthy for oh, him. Oh, he got lucky. Huh? Yeah, he got lucky. He, mm. he, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, he got yeah, lucky. Got yeah, yeah. You yeah, know yeah. what I'm saying? So the morning of the baby shower, mm. I'm going to my boot camp class and I get a phone call from his girl. Mm. So she's like, Hey, your brother is kind of in here sick. He says, stomach hurt. Come right over here. So I'm like, okay. So in my mind, I'm thinking I'm about to go over here. I'm going to tell him, look, I don't know if you got drunk last night, straighten yourself up. We're going to turn up later. Mm. So when I get there, well, before I get there, I call back and I'm like, well, what room y'all in? He answers. I said, well, what room you in? He said, he was like, he, I forgot what room it was. But I can tell he was in pain. He was, you know, he was like, man, just come over here. He gave me the room. And he was like, I'm upstairs. I'm like, okay. When I get there, EMS is already there. So I go upstairs. And when I get to the room, soon as I walked into the room, I don't even think he knew I was there. As mm. soon as I walked in the room, I heard his girlfriend say he's having a seizure. So he started having a seizure. So I'm looking. So EMS, they grab him. They put him on the gurney. So they say, y'all, let's go downstairs. So we went in a separate elevator. So we get downstairs first. So he come out the elevator and he's wincing on the on the gurney. Mm-hmm. He's like, like his stomach is hurting. So they put him in the back of the uh, EMS. I get in my truck, me and his girl. So we sitting there. After three seconds, I say, something is wrong. She's like, well, why? I say, we haven't pulled off yet. So I get out my truck. I get on the back of the EMS and I'm looking, I'm looking down at him. And it's like he, ha- they've cut all his clothes off. So I'm like, and they they have this, to me, it looks like this transformer halo thing that's over him, and it's giving him chest compressions. And I mean, it is working on his chest. And I'm like, and me and my brother, we kind of never took nothing serious. We always were sarcastically playing. So in my head, I'm spiritually talking to him, and I'm like, Boy, don't you die in the back of this truck. You better get up. Boy, yeah. I'm going to talk about you for this. We gonna, well, I'm, I'm going to get oh, you for this God. one. Oh, God. So the police came. By this time, the police came. Hey, get out back of the, uh, the EMS. So we get out. We go, to the, we go to the hospital. And the doctor come out. And me and the, his girlfriend at the time was in the family room. So they come out there asking us questions. So they was like, you know, what did y'all do last night? Well, I don't have the answers because didn't I, wasn't, I didn't know. So she's talking. So they leave out and she's like, Sean, why are you so calm? Like, like she's getting hysterical. I said, because they're asking us questions. That means they don't know what's going on with him. They're not telling us he's stable. They're not telling us his vital signs. They're asking us questions. Two minutes later, the doctor came back in. The doctor said, I have to be honest with you guys. We've tried everything. And he said, your brother died at the hotel. They said EMS never got a pulse. What? And it was, I mean, it was instantly, I was, and his, this, was his, this was what his girlfriend said. Dead. We was just eating breakfast. She said it like three or four times. She was like, we was just eating breakfast, laughing. What you mean he's dead? And I went out in the hallway and, and I'm, I'm like, 
it was it was like it was like somebody took everything out of me and i'm like dead i'm like he's dead so instantly my sisters are on the way from dallas driving so i have to call them and i remember telling my sister seven times i just watched man die we used to call him man and she's like what she kept saying what i said i just watched our brother die and they got and this is doing COVID. So I was the lad. Oh, this is this is doing COVID. COVID. Yeah, this is my, my kids are two. Oh my this word. is recent. This yeah, is recently. Yeah, yeah. This is recently. So when my so we they my sisters, we get here and my girlfriend at the time, which is my kid's mother, Kendra, she was like, Well, do y'all want to cancel the baby shower? So this is where though this is where that leadership quality come in. Mm -hmm. So I realized okay, I could be the emotional person that said, yeah, cancel it. What I did was, I said, you know what? Let me give it to the new matriarch of this family, my oldest mm -hmm. sister. Let me give it to her. If she say we're going to do it, we're going to do it. If she say we're not, we're not. So I called I call my sister. I said, sis, it's on you. You the leader of this family. You the oldest. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What do you want to do? She said, listen, we're going to have to start celebrating him today. She said, we still going to have the baby shower. Mm. She said, He's, he died, but we're going to have to celebrate his, we're going to have to start celebrating his life today. And we had the baby shower. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. shocking. Yeah. Listen, listen. Because he was just happy. Was he more happy than normal? Because, you know, sometimes when people are about to go, so you listen, can see some signs. The, the beautiful thing, people was calling me days later saying, Man, your brother had invited me to the baby shower. He invited like 30 people oh to the baby shower. God. He was like, yeah, my little brother about to have twins. We going to turn up. He just, everybody, he went 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 to the house. He invited to the baby shower. Wow. Everybody was telling me, I was like, yeah, we was coming to the baby shower. <laughs> he, he was like so happy because I'm the last person in the family to have kids yeah. as, our, as our four siblings. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah, he, he definitely was happy. He definitely was happy. Did they ever phone out? He had, a, he had a he had he had heart he had a heart condition that we didn't know about. Oh my god! So unexpected, unexpected. He had a massive unexpected. heart attack, instant massive At heart what attack. What age? Fifty years old. Damn. Fifty years old. Fifty. My mom and I was talking about that recently, man. That because you know I'm kind of getting up there a little bit, and <laughs> she's like, "Hey, you got to start getting checked up." And she's telling me, "She's like, do the prostate." I'm like, "I ain't gonna have Wait nobody do it." <laughs> But she said they do it by blood these days. Is that? Hey, that's, they, that's, hey. that's what I'm hearing and all. And I'm like, technology haven't got this even better. I'm like, but I I started doing the blood work every year. I just started that last year. You know, you yeah. kind of took some that blood checkup. and they yeah. check um, all the, the these type of signs and stuff like that. But that's a shocking yeah. story, man. Yeah. But dude, it was it was neat having you out. I'm I'm I'm, I'm glad that whenever you come out and and kind of come on the come on the podcast man and i just like even kind of going back to the whole relationships and, mm -hmm. and everything like that and even what i was saying about language and, and stuff like that our term for uh cheat baby is jacket <laughs> wow jacket cover it up <laughs> your jacket you cut the your, your jacket <laughs> so it's wow like, but it's not like uh it's not like it's uh, it's bad and not bad, but it's not the clear term and everything like that. But it's just it's 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 interesting, man. But 
when when people come what would you like their experience to be like because when is your actual event october 7th so you got the 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 um we should have 19 days left october 7th <laughs> and you said you're gonna 7th. have like a a book so i'm so i'm actually doing a lookbook mm -hmm. and it's uh it's actually gonna be the first i'm actually deciding if i'm gonna put the first chapter of my autobiography okay in uh, the lookbook, and it's going to be uh, entitled "Paintbrushes and Permanent Ink." You should you should man that yeah, out of because you good. got a story, bro. Yeah. Like I love talking to because you really got a story, and you know you authentic. You know because sometimes people try to share their story and they're trying to create a narrative. You just you just telling it what it is, right? And what you've learned from it right. in hopes, and I can tell in hopes that somebody would hear your message right. and actually learn from it man and that's definitely. pure definitely that's pure that's why i hear you use the word vulnerable whole bunch of times and how it cultivate you into the leader which just your aura right is one of a leader and i appreciate that yeah your aura is one that. of a leader I man so that. hey brother one love man it's excellent <laughs> See, we, we already figured it out yeah. like the, the, the whole thing like boom one love brother hey it was a blessing man. likewise and i appreciate it i, I might be at that event actually <laughs> okay. i might be at that event man so yeah. that should be fun <laughs> cool, so guys i really create these content to educate, inform, and inspire whoever is at a point to be inspired. If you made it this far through the videos, I would truly appreciate if you give us a like, a subscribe, turn on the notification bell, support us because in, in all honesty, it means a lot to us. Um, so thank you, and I hope you got something of value from, from sharing your time with us on today.